On this week's show, we're going to continue our summertime series, Performance Equals Profit. On today's show, your CSRs are going to learn how to handle the time objection. Your technicians are going to learn how to communicate the value of a service agreement. And your sales advisors are going to learn how to solve problems so you can make more money. The Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Before we dive into today's content, I want to reach out and chat real quick with all the non-EGI members. If you like the content and you want a free trial, click the Join button at the top right, then select the Plus Membership. We'll give you access to the full courses so you can start to take your business to the next level. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about your CSRs and lead coordination, how important it is you know, for them to value that lead and build a relationship with the homeowner. Well, today I want to talk about how they get the time commitment and how important that is for them to get the time from the homeowner for the sales advisors to do their job. Take a quick look at this brief video. Thank you for calling ABC Heating and Cooling. This is Wally. How may we save you money today? Yeah, I'm interested in finding about replacing my current uh, AC system. Okay, okay, great. Are you having any problems with the current system? You know, it just seems to be getting a little old and a little tired. It's just... Okay. Not doing the job. Okay. Uh, do you happen to know how old the system is? Well, I bought the house about nine years ago. I think the house was built, I want to say, about seven years before that, okay. and it's the original equipment for sure. Okay. Okay. So about 16 years or so. By the way, sir, do you mind if I ask your name? My name is John. Okay, John. And your last name? Ketchell. John Ketchell. Well, thank you so much for calling in, John. And I appreciate uh, you being aware of the efficiency and comfort issues in your home. And of course, that's what we are designed to take care of you. Uh, let me give you a little bit of an idea of how this process works. Typically, uh, in a situation like yours, we will send out one of our HVAC design consultants. And uh, their primary responsibility, John, is to measure your home and do what's called a load calculation. Now, the reason for this is really simple. Number one, it's uh, recommended by the U.S. Department of Energy to ensure efficiency of your system and uh, quality of life comfort in your home. And more importantly, the Department of Energy estimates that well over half of all HVAC systems are improperly sized. They're oversized because oftentimes people will just use kind of a rule of thumb or kind of a guesswork, or if there's three tons in there now, they go back with a, a three-ton system. And the reality is if you've changed your windows in your home uh, to double or triple pane, the demands on the HVAC system will probably be less than when they had the older single-pane windows. You could take your exact home, uh, the exact floor plan somewhere else in your neighborhood and have it turned a different direction towards the sun and have different types of windows. And next thing you know, it's a completely different load calculation. So what we like to do is to have one of our uh, comfort consultants uh, come out. They're going to measure your home. They're going to look at the windows. They're going to look at the attic insulation. They're going to look at the construction of the home, the siding, all these different factors and uh, follow a formula as outlined by the Department of Energy to do a proper load calculation. Now, John, this process, depending how long it takes to measure your house and depending how long uh, it takes to answer any questions you may have, this process can take about 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, so uh, is that going to be an acceptable amount of time for you all? How long will it take? Uh, typically about 60 to 90 minutes, again, depending on how many questions you have and how long it takes to measure the home. Well, I probably won't have a lot of questions, but uh, that seems like a lot of time. I was kind of hoping to do this on my lunch break, kind of okay. get out there and, and get it done. Yeah. Is it really going to take that long? Yeah, well, and I can certainly understand you're a very busy man, I'm sure, and I appreciate you wanting to get done on your lunch break. And the reality is uh, many contractors 
uh, will very much rush the process. And that's probably why uh, Department of Energy says over half the systems are oversized. Because in many cases, homeowners are in a hurry. You're a very busy man. I'm sure family, career, bills, dogs, uh, you know, friends, bowling and softball, whatever you do for recreation, there's a lot of demands on your time. As a result, sometimes when you have to deal with a, a project like this from your home, it cannot really you know, be a priority. I certainly understand that. Uh, but at the same time, it's critically important that we get this system sized properly. An oversized system, John, in many cases, will last a fraction of the time uh, that it's supposed to. In other words, instead of 20 years, it may last you know, 10 or 13, or like you're talking about in your case, maybe uh, only 15 years instead of in 20 years. But one of the other considerations is the comfort of the home. In many cases, if the system is uh, short cycling because it's oversized, it'll be kicking on, kicking off, kicking on, and kicking off. Does your current system uh, do that? Does it come off and on quite a bit? Uh, I really haven't noticed, to tell you the truth. It seems to just be on all the time, quite okay. frankly. Well, that, may be, that could be just the exact opposite problem. It could be undersized and therefore struggling to keep up. You know, you called in originally because you were saying that it just didn't seem like it was doing the job. Does it seem like uh, in the hottest part of the day or maybe at night, it's not cooling to your satisfaction? Yeah, when I get home a little bit early from work, I kind of almost have to wait for the sun to go down to get right. it cool, and that's why I'm calling. Right, no. Well, and that probably is a reflection of the system being undersized, which, of course, is, you know, the opposite side of the problem of oversized, but it comes from the same place, and that is the contractor not taking the time to properly, you know, size the house, size the system, measure the house. So when you think about the, you know, potential investment that you could be making here, does it seem like it would be worth to make sure that, you know, that we, that, that we measure twice and cut once? In other words, we make sure the system is perfect before we do an installation so that we make sure that we don't have a problem uh, like you're experiencing now. Well, that makes sense, but i got to be honest with you. I had a guy out here last week, and he was in and out in 25 minutes, and it yeah. seemed like he did a thorough job. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, John. Did he ask you the square footage of your home? Uh, he did. Yeah. Uh, and when our design consultants come out, they're going to show you a couple of articles, one from the Consumer Reports and one from Department of Energy, and both of them specifically say, be leery of contractors who do their estimates based on house size and vague rules of thumb. So I'm not going to comment on this gentleman specifically that came out, but you know you can use your own judgment and figure out whether or not he can do a proper load calculation in, in that short amount of time. And, and really when you're talking about an investment like this into your home, really the infrastructure of your home, the heating and air conditioning system, in most cases we find that homeowners uh, you know, uh, are really willing to, to trade off a little bit of time to make sure the system is designed perfectly. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I guess when you put it that way, it does make sense. Okay, great. Well, let me get some more information from you, and we'll go ahead and get the appointment set. Okay. You know, as we always know, we need the time, and we need both homeowners there. And if we have the time, we got both homeowners there, we've got a much better chance of getting the job. In this video, I want to talk directly to your CSRs about how to get both homeowners present as often as possible. Thank you for calling ABC Heating and Cooling. This is Wally. How may we save you money today? Yeah, I'm uh, interested in finding out a little bit more about a new uh, home comfort system. Okay, awesome. Well, that certainly is our business. Uh, do you mind if I ask your name, sir? Sure, of course. It's John. And John, your last name? Ketchell. John Ketchell. Awesome. Uh, John, if you don't mind me asking, how did you find out about us? You know, I was driving out of the neighborhood and I saw one of your trucks. So I uh, figured I'd give you a call. I went online and you guys were there. So Awesome. What part of town are you in? I'm in the northeast side. Okay, northeast side. Well, we were just up there 
it looks like in your neighborhood just a week or so ago. So that probably was uh, yeah. the day that you saw the trucks. Well, listen, we really appreciate you calling in. Uh, let me give you a little bit of an idea of how this process works uh, in terms of uh, you know you going from an older system to a to a to a new a new system. Uh, what's the age of your current system, John? If you happen to know. Uh, well, it's the original equipment. I bought the house 10 years ago, and I was not the original owner. I would say about 17 years old. Okay. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, at the tail end of its life, losing a lot of efficiency, probably not as comfortable as it used to be as well. Probably lost. Yeah, it seems to be always on. Yeah, awesome. Never stops. Never stops. Well, let me explain to you a little bit about how we handle this process. Uh, you may have called other companies by now, John. In many cases, uh, contractors will simply just ask you the square footage of your home, and try to properly size your system based on square footage. Have you had any conversations like that? Yeah, I actually called two other companies and they both asked me that question. Yeah, well here's why that really is a significant thing to consider. Uh, when we send our guys out, their number one priority is to properly measure your home and to properly size your system. Uh, the Department of Energy estimates that well over half of all HVAC systems are improperly installed and improperly sized. And the reason they're improperly sized is because they've done kind of what uh, the two companies you called have done. They just get your square footage and they think they know the size of the system. Well, Consumer Reports and Department of Energy cautions us to be leery of contractors who do that. And here's the reason why. The bottom line is your house, the exact same floor plan uh, across a different part of town that has uh, a different orientation towards the sun, maybe different attic insulation, different siding, uh, you know, maybe different types of windows. Uh, those changes can dramatically change the energy usage and the load demands in the system on the identical floor plan. And so the reason that Department of Energy recommends and, uh, you know, that we do this load calculation is to make sure the system is properly sized. It's critically important because your current system, you said it's running all the time, there's a pretty good chance it's undersized, which of course is the opposite problem. But you don't want your system running 24-7 and then not even doing the cooling that you expect from that. Is that a fair, fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I walk in front of the sliding glass door and you can feel the temperature change. It just right. gets warmer. Awesome. Well, we're definitely going to take care of that. By the way, I couldn't help but, but notice a little dog in the background there. What kind of dog do you have? Uh, it's my wife's dog. It's a Shih Tzu. A Shih Tzu? And is it a, a little puppy boy or a little puppy girl? Well, you know, these things never get bigger than six pounds, so they all seem to be a little puppy, but it's a boy. <laughs> little boy. What's his name? Theo. Theo. Well, say hi to Theo for him. We look forward to getting a chance to make the house more comfortable for him as well. Uh, at any rate, John, this process of measuring the house, uh, which, you know, we're going to go room by room, look at the windows, attic insulation, a lot of different factors. Uh, this process can take about 60 to 90 minutes, depending on how many questions that you have and, you know, depending how long it takes to measure the house. One of the things, John, that's really uh, helpful in this whole situation to you and your family uh, in, this, in this process is to make sure we get both homeowners uh, involved in the design process. The reason that's important is that when we design a system, John, we guarantee that it's going to be perfect. We also guarantee that you and your wife are going to love it. And the last thing that we want is to design a perfect system for you, but then there are some accessories or perhaps indoor air quality products or other features uh, or accessories that maybe your wife uh, did want or didn't want, and bottom line is she doesn't like the system. And what that does obviously puts a big burden on us to make sure the system satisfies everybody. So we like to get both homeowners involved in the design process. So given the fact it's going to take 60 to 90 minutes, depending on how many questions you have, and uh, that it's beneficial for you to have both homeowners involved in the design process. Uh, is there a time that we could come out and meet with both you and your wife? 
you know, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. We kind of work opposite schedules. Okay. Um, so it's going to be tough to get us both in the same place at a time. And, and, you know, listen, I know my wife, so I'm pretty confident that I know what she's going to want. Right. Is it really a big deal? Well, uh, it, it kind of is. On the other hand, we want to be respectful of your time and your wife's schedule as well. Uh, but I would like to extend this offer, John. We can come out at times that are really uh, convenient for you and your wife. This decision, it's really about you. It's really about your wife. It's not about our convenience, right? It's about coming out when it works for you. Uh, as I mentioned, it's very important to get you both involved in the design process because we want to make sure that your wife loves the system. And the reality is, you know, buying a heating and air conditioning system today, John, is a little bit like buying a car. Uh, there are so many different variables in designs and technology and efficiency and this and that and the other. I mean, if you were going to go buy a family car, would you get your wife involved in that process? Yeah, I, I better. I'd be yeah. in big trouble. Hey, man, if I brought a new car home without checking with my wife and, and having her pick it out, uh, I might be homeless or something like that. So, but it's not that much different with a heating and air conditioning system. Back in the day, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, HVAC systems for HVAC systems. But today there's such a huge variety in accessories and indoor air quality products and uh, uh, different uh, uh, fan operations, you know, from continuous fan uh, to modulating fans to off and on fans, all these different variables, different efficiencies, just a huge uh, amount of different options. And so it's a little more difficult perhaps to buy an air conditioning system than it would have been, you know, 15 years or so ago. So because of those variables, uh, it's, it's really important that we, that we get your wife involved in the process. Now, having said that, we can come at a very convenient time. We can come out in the evenings. We can even come out on a weekend. Whatever would time would work Saturday for you morning. and your wife. Have to be a Saturday morning? Yeah. Awesome. Well, we can certainly make that happen. Uh, how about uh, 10 a.m. this Saturday, John? That'll give you guys a little time to sleep in and have some breakfast, take the O for a walk, and, uh, and then we can have, uh, we're going to have Winston come out, actually, and, and have this discussion with you about a new system. Uh, you know, nine would be better. If okay. It's going to take an hour and a half. This way, that'll at least give us the second half of the day to hang out. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Well, John, let me get a little more information from you, and we'll get this all set up. You got it. By the way, if you're not an EGI member, click the Join button at the top right-hand part of this page, and you'll get a free 30-day membership and examine all the courses. Now, I want to talk to your service techs for a second. I want to talk about the importance of getting maintenance agreements. We know how important these are, so we got to make sure and communicate to our service technicians the value of getting service agreements. They're going to come in very handy in certain slow seasons, right? In the shoulder seasons of our business. In this video, Gary Ellis is going to share with us why it's important for the homeowner, for the service technician, and the company to have a maintenance agreement. So accessories, service agreements, Repair versus replace, indoor air quality options, uh, whole house inspections for plumbing. Certainly we can sell uh, total home services, insulation, windows, doors, all kinds of things that companies out there will have the opportunity to put their technicians in charge of creating opportunities. So today's topic is going to be service agreements. Why service agreements? Well, pretty much a fundamental of any service business is you have to have a customer relationship. Now we know from a customer relationship that an existing client will buy 67% more or spend 67% more with us than a non-client, non-relationship. So just think about your doctor, your dentist, your grocery store, any personal relationships that you have, you tend to have de a developed a level of trust inside of the sales process whereby you have that relationship, they've done well for you, the brand experience has been good. So as a general rule, 
clients are more willing to turn loose of their hard-earned money if they have a relationship. So the service agreement is the linchpin for the contracting business to be able to tie ourselves together, not just with the equipment or the house or the database, but actually build a client relationship. So as we've talked about in the service agreement module, we definitely want to try to get our uh, uh, technicians dispatched back as frequently as possible to the same house. Well, that being said, we also have to recognize that not all service technicians are created equal. So if you're a service technician and you're sitting in a, a, a classroom right now or you're sitting in a conference room and you're watching this video with your service manager or perhaps you're just a young service manager uh, who's jumping off and going to start his own business or you're a service technician and you have that aspiration, you know you're going to have to sell. I mean, that's just fundamentally part of the equation. But not all of us are gifted at sales. Some of us are just gifted at the mechanical side of the business. So the good news is it's a skill set that can be developed. And it kind of starts with the mindset. So before I go to the whiteboard and break down the benefits and why and how we should be selling service agreements at the technician level based on technician communications, I'd like to spend just a little bit of time and kind of go through the mindset, just bring you back to a dialogue we've had earlier in attitude determines uh, how things are successful in your life. So we talk about you know uh, altitude is determined by attitude. That's one of the videos that we've produced. I just want you to be aware of the fact that some technicians uh, necessarily don't believe in service agreements. I've had that uh, group of people in my own company where they've said, no, 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 I don't believe in it. I know it's good for you, but I don't see how it's good for the consumer. Well, it is good for the consumer, specifically if the consumer wants the product. Um, who are we to decide whether or not that's our choice or their choice? It, it obviously is theirs. Secondly, we, we know for a fact if we regularly maintain equipment, if we change the oil in our cars, if we you know, change our wiper blades, Basic maintenance is a good thing. So whether the client wants to pay $5,000 for that or $150 for that, that's a debate that you know, should rage inside of a company. How, how is the pricing set up? What is the value proposition? What are we going to give the client? But the idea is sound. So the question becomes, why wouldn't a technician believe in that type of a system? So I'd like to take you to this little slide. Um, this goes back to the John Maxwell principles of leadership and understanding what's going on. So if you look at this particular slide, what determines our success in sales is in fact our mindset. Wally's got incredible videos and uh, the, the story of his own life is 100% about mindset. Thinking patterns, thinking about what it is that we aspire to do. So um, we're interested in brand experience, we're interested in making more money, we're interested in having more work hours during the slow period, we're interested in being you know, a career path, maybe I want to be a service manager or maybe I want to own my own company. So what you think about is what you become. So Napoleon Hill said the mind, what it can conceive and believe it can achieve. So we're back to the principle of the thinking patterns that you create on a daily basis and what you reinforce for yourself are what determine your patterns of success. That leads to a belief system. Belief systems are very powerful. So we want the belief system to be in place that what we do for the customer is for the benefit of the customer. If the customer doesn't want a service agreement, that's okay. But it's not okay for you not to present that as an option to a client. You're not allowed to make the buying decision for a customer. That's not your responsibility. The role of the service technician is to identify the opportunities, figure out what those options are, educate the client, let the client make that decision. So that belief system then leads into a set of expectations. What do I expect from you as the owner of a business? I expect you to educate the client. I have a product. The product is actually a good product. 
It comes with a lifetime guarantee on any repair. The discount for the price of the product is good. Uh, the customer pays a lower price for any services. They get basically no overtime. I mean, there's a slew of benefits that the customer has. So my expectations are I would expect all customers to have the opportunity to say yes or no, sort of the up-down vote. What I need you to create in your own expectations is this is probably a pretty smart thing for me as an individual. It's pretty smart for the consumer, and it's pretty smart for the business. So we've set up the win-win-win philosophy of expectations. Then if you look at that next part of that chart, expectations lead to attitudes. Attitudes, good attitudes, bad attitudes. Well, if your attitude is, is that a service agreement isn't good for a client and you don't want to talk to the client about it, that's going to show up in the numbers and eventually that's going to show up not just on the expectations conversation that we would have with you or your service manager would have with you, but ultimately it's going to show up in your own performance. Uh, most business owners are going to apply the very best technician to the opportunities. That's common sense. So uh, if your company hasn't gotten to that place yet, most likely it will. Uh, in order to survive, we want to put our best person in front of the customer that's going to create the best opportunities, not only for the client, but also for you, the technician, and also for us, the business owner. So it stands to reason that your attitude should adjust to the fact to say that, I want to do what's right for the customer. That's it. That's really all you have to think about. If you believe in the product itself, then doing what's right means let the customer make that decision, educate them, talk to them about the benefits of the product. If they say no, they say no. But the majority of customers are probably going to uptake that product simply because it makes common sense to them if it's explained properly. Of course, we need to train you on that. You go to the service agreement module. You understand your company's service agreement platform. You go with that uh, particular product. Now, if you look at the next line item there, the behavior pattern. Behavior patterns are driven from attitudes. What I think about is ultimately what I become based on my expectations, based on my attitude. Well, my behavior patterns then are created based on what I have thought about and how I've, uh, that's basically manifested itself. So for me, behaviorally, if I'm going to understand the service agreement is a good product for the customer, it's good for me personally based on the benefits that I'm going to get from the company, me doing my job the way the company wants it done. And I understand that the company is going to benefit because it's a good thing from the relationship point of view. We have lots of opportunities. Why wouldn't I want to learn that product and behave in a way that makes me able to communicate what is, for the customer point of view, a good choice for them? Again, you're not forcing the issue with the client. You're simply putting a product out in front of them and saying, are you interested in this? Here are the benefits. Here's the price point. You know, there's a reason why the customer says yes or no. Some customers don't have the money, they may not buy it. Some customers might be moving, they may not buy it. But if I'm offering a discount on my service invoice and the service agreement is basically a low cost or almost no cost opportunity, most clients are probably going to say yes. So your belief system and your ability to change your behavior pattern as a technician to recognize that the service agreement is the precursor to your success is going to be a key thing. You know, when it comes to the sales process, we talk a lot about the closing rate, but there's, you know, another side of that coin, and that is average ticket. We don't want to sacrifice average ticket for a high closing rate. We want a good, healthy closing rate and a good, healthy average ticket. The thing you got to remember in this business is you get paid for the number of problems you solve. So in this video, I want to share with you some information about how important it is to solve comprehensive problems for your homeowners. That's how you drive your average ticket.
On one hand, they have their money. On the other hand, they have a problem. Now, the way commerce works in real life is that people have problems and they pay their money to get solutions to those problems. And our job when we walk in the house, whether it's on a sales call or a service call, our job is to demonstrate the value of our solution to their problems. And if the homeowner decides that our solution is more important to them than their money, they will exchange their money for our solution. That's how commerce happens. That's how transactions happen. So here's the thing. If you want to make this bigger, you can't just arbitrarily go out there and double, triple, quadruple your prices tomorrow, right? The only way to get the money bigger on a consistent basis is to keep things in balance. How do you do that? Well, you have to find additional problems to solve for your homeowner. And you'll see throughout the process, especially in step three, the process I'm going to, uh, step three and step four really, I'm going to take that problem and I'm going to expand it. So perhaps they call me about a furnace problem. I'm going to find an air conditioning problem, a noise problem, an, uh, an indoor air quality problem, maybe even a humidity problem, whatever it is, but I'm going to find a whole scope of problems. And you'll see how this happens in step three and step four. And then I'm going to use all those problems to close the deal in step five. So again, they might start with one problem, but before I'm done, we might have discovered four, five, or six, or seven problems, just depending on the situation. The key is I have to make sure I find those problems, but then I want to get the homeowner's permission to bring those problems to their attention. Now, if I'm going to offer comprehensive solutions, that means I got to find the problems first, right? That's the whole point of your comfort survey. You got to identify the problems that the homeowner may not realize they have. And as you identify those problems, you want to get information and confirmation from your homeowner that they want to look at various solutions. They're not agreeing to buy at this point. They're simply agreeing that you should keep in mind these various problems when you design their solutions. When you keep in mind all these various problems, the nature of the solution will be comprehensive. Take a quick look. Uh, what I'd like to do now is to get your opinion about a few things. As we go through the process of measuring your house, it's very important that I have kind of an idea of how you use the system and, you know, uh, systems are, you know, technology has changed and everything. It's no different in HVAC. So many different options and uh, availabilities in terms of efficiencies and technology. What I'd like to do is just to get your opinion uh, on a couple of things as we go through and then I can begin the process of measuring the house uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, first of all, how old uh, is the home? I think this home was built in 2003, so yeah. it's, I mean, it's about nine years old now. It's nine years, and already you're having problems with the, with the system, the, the kind of the builder grade system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. Uh, and so the furnace and the air conditioning system are also going to be nine years. They're the original, uh, original system, as far so. as you know. Okay. Now, have you, have you owned the home the whole time? We've owned the home for about six years. Okay. okay. Uh, let me ask you a question. With respect to the, the, the noise of the current system, do you have any issues? Does the system seem too noisy or is it fairly quiet? I think it's, uh, I mean, it's fairly quiet. It's, it... You don't really have any issues with that? No, not really. Do you ever have an issue like sometimes, let's say you're watching a movie on a Saturday night and the kids are there with you and you guys are eating your popcorn, you got the movie going, the whole thing, and all of a sudden the air conditioning system kicks on or the heating system in the winter and you find yourself kind of cranking the volume? Yeah, do you TV? remember that? I do. Actually, yeah. down in our theater room, uh, yeah. now that you mention it, we do, we always have, I mean, sometimes we enjoy the movies loud anyway, but if it's <laughs> yeah. not turned all the way up, when the furnace kicks on, we've got to crank the volume a little right. bit. So there, it sounds like there is maybe at least a little, little bit of a problem with the noise there. Uh, is that something you would like me to consider when I design the system? Yeah, it would be nice not sure. to have to worry about that okay. anymore. Yeah. Good. And uh, you guys have, have been here, you said, for six years. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so almost brand new when you bought the house. How long do you guys plan to keep this house? Is this it uh, for the next 20 years or uh, do you plan on moving in the next few years? I, you know, as far as I know, I, I think we're probably going to be here at least 10 years until the kids are out of high school. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to be here be here for a while. And why are you considering the purchase uh, of a new heating and air conditioning system now? What's, what's kind of driving the, the decision to replace it now? Well, Jamie's had a, a little bit uh, of trouble sleeping, I guess. She, yeah. I, I can sleep through anything, yeah, but uh, she, <laughs> she tells me it's hotter and hotter every year. So it's just not, um, yeah. so it's just I, not working right. Yeah, it's yeah. not working as well as we would like it to, yeah, that's for sure. It's just not very comfortable. Okay. How about, um, how about the current humidity level? Here in Colorado, obviously, we have very dry air in, uh, in the wintertime. Uh, any issues with the level of humidity in the winter or the summer, for that matter? Yeah, you know, uh, my oldest daughter, Jordan, she tends to get bloody noses a lot. Yeah. And my youngest daughter, uh, Neely, she, she always has to put on a lot of lotion. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, it's, we have an aquarium here in the house, and every few months the, the aquarium drops yeah. down a, a couple of inches. So I would say, our, I mean, I don't know how you feel about the humidity, but I can tell it's very dry here. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's such, yeah, it's, we yeah. definitely need a little bit more humidity and moisture in the home. would be absolutely. really nice. Well, I see you got a lot of wood floors and wood furniture and things, too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the dry air can impact those things. Uh, I'm just kind of curious. You said that when Jordan, mm -hmm. did you say, yeah. uh, has, and it's very common with the kids, by the way, uh, the, the little capillaries in the nose uh, are very fragile, kind of like the ones in our eyes. And when they get dried out, they crack very easily, and that's why you see a lot of the kids with the, the bloody noses in the wintertime. I'm just curious. I mean, how does that make you feel when you see her kind of having to wrestle with that and deal with that? Oh, it's terrible. I mean, we, we took her to the doctor once just, you know, for fear maybe something really was going on. And uh, the doctor told Jamie that uh, it was just Colorado weather and yeah. that, uh, like you said, that it was just, it's so dry here and right. that hopefully one day she would grow out of it. Right, right. Uh, is that something that I should consider when I uh, design your system? It would be nice to actually, you know, get mm -hmm. some feedback on that and, and hear something that you can do about that. Okay, okay, good, good. Uh, any one of the kids or yourselves suffer with allergies, respiratory issues, anything like that? Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I mean, I hate to admit it, but uh, yeah, there's at certain times of the years I, I seem to get, you know, yeah. a lot of sniffles and sneezing, yeah. and, and I'm definitely yeah. not sick. I don't get sick very often. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, with uh, modern technology and heating and air conditioning systems, there are uh, options that we can use with respect to indoor air quality that can literally get 99.9% of the dust and the, the mites and the pet dander and everything out of the air and, and make it virtually, you know, hospital air clean, you know, like uh, operating room wow. clean. How, how would you do that? Uh, there are various uh, filtration systems, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, and also ultraviolet systems. Okay. You ever notice how at the barbershop, uh, which I don't visit a lot, <laughs> I do it in-house, uh, they drop the combs and the brushes in the, uh, under the blue light. Sure. Uh, that ultraviolet it kills germs. And they have similar systems that you can use for your entire house. Interesting. Yeah, that will actually kill germs, odors from cooking and that kind of thing. It's pretty amazing technology. Like everything else, the heating and air conditioning industry is, is changing. Very so those are... Those are definitely some of the issues that we'll look at uh, to address uh, those systems with the kids and, and, and with your own allergies. Any hot and cold spots in the home? Any areas that seem hotter or colder various times of the year? The spot in the kitchen is, gets colder. Yeah, well, yeah, the kitchen stays cool. And then it seems like our bedroom, and this goes back to the sleeping issue, is yeah. our bedroom, although a lot of the house is, is perfect, uh, it seems like to me, I can tell our bedrooms definitely yeah. it stays warmer, maybe six, seven, eight degrees. Right. Yeah. 
You probably also notice an issue when you go to bed at night if you close the door for some privacy from the kids mm -hmm. that it gets hotter in there because it's restricting the return air. One of the options that will be available to you, we'll talk about a little later, is actually adding return air in the bedroom so that when you close the door for your privacy or for sleeping just for noise issues if the kids are out you know, watching TV or something, that you'll actually have your own return air supply. You won't be dependent on keeping that door open. It's going to make it a lot more comfortable. Okay. So is that something I should consider then? That would be nice to okay. know more about. Yes, okay. absolutely. Good, good. Uh, with respect to your utility bills, uh, obviously it's something on everybody's mind these days, the cost of uh, uh, electricity and natural gas. Uh, uh, what are you paying on a monthly basis now to heat and cool your home? Well, I think altogether, um, I think our bill, the, the home's rather large, so I think our bill's somewhere around the 280. A lot of times Jamie pays those and I never see them, but right. uh, 280 to 300, I think, a month. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So we're talking $3,000, $3,500 a year. I hadn't thought about it like that. <laughs> that just doesn't sound so good, does yeah. it? <laughs> well, and the system that's in here now, of course, we'll take a closer look at it here shortly. But uh, typically when a home is built, builder grade, minimum efficiency, minimum quality is what they use, you know, to, for cost savings, to keep the, the building costs down, and they're not terribly efficient. Uh, it's probably a very basic 13-seer, 80% uh, efficiency system. We can look at more efficient systems that can reduce your... Uh, your energy costs by as much as 30 or 40 percent a year. You're talking, you know, as much as a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a year. That would be great. Yeah, it uh, it makes a huge difference. And you talk about a thousand bucks a year. I mean, imagine walking out front with ten one hundred dollar bills and ripping them up and throwing them up in the wind. I mean, that's basically what we're doing when we overpay on, uh, you know, utilities like that. I'm just curious, do you have stock in the utility company? <laughs> no, but it looks, did, right? it looks like we yeah, should. I know. If you don't own them, sounds like they own you, yeah. uh, for sure. Uh, let me ask you this, on a scale of one to 10, how important is it for you as a family uh, to minimize the impact of your carbon footprint uh, for future generations, the environmental impact? It's something that more and more uh, we're aware of. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is that for you as a family? I would say that's actually really important. I mean, you know, Jamie's line of work in the health and fitness right. industry and, mm -hmm. and that whole thing, I think uh, we definitely try to do our part. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely aware of it and we try to do as much as we can to improve it rather right. than go the other way and have a negative footprint. So. Right. So it sounds like looking at some of the higher efficiency options are definitely going to be something you guys are interested in just because of, you know, the less uh, energy we use with respect uh, to energy, uh, you know, electricity, which is, comes from coal and, of course, natural gas. The, the less we can use that stuff, the, uh, the more that we're minimizing the impact in the environment. Definitely. Okay, good. We'll definitely take a look at that as well. You know, folks, when you get your CSRs doing the right thing, you get your technicians saying the right thing, doing the right thing, and your sales folks doing the right thing and saying the right thing, success is absolutely guaranteed. That's why we're here every week on Cracking the Code to make sure your folks have the information to build the business that you deserve and the career and income that they deserve. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.